Welcome to the Intro Whisper. Our show is all about the future of work and innovation. And today's guest is Matthew Hogan. I have since learned that it is Matthew, not Matt. Um, he is the founder and CEO of M3D Technologies. He also founded VFX and Gaming Studio, based in one of the fastest growing tech hubs, Orlando, Florida. That is where we are. He is a service-disabled Navy veteran who studied studio production and visual effects at Full Sail University and the Dave School in Orlando. Matthew also founded and operated several small businesses after leaving the Navy and has successfully completed projects for Orlando area theme parks and the University of Central Florida. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And we are inside of your office, and this is the first time we've gone off-site from Valencia College to come someplace else, and it's pretty cool. Well, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you agreed to it. So we always talk about learning technology and the future of industries and jobs, and we kick it off with asking the guests to tell us five words that describe you and why those five words. And the first one you gave me was dreamer. Mm -hmm. So why dreamer? Um, you know, it, it, that's, that's kind of where, you know, journeys began, right? Like you have to have a dream, right? And like to, so that's, that's where it begins, right? Is having that dream. Like, what are you, what are you going to do? What's, what's that thing that drives you? So, um, being, being that dreamer also, uh, lends, you know, creative um, imagination, right? Mm -hmm. So being imaginative and dreaming about, you know, having that thing that you want, right? What is that level of success, right, to you, right? So, or what is that thing that you want to do so so to dream about it, right? So. You sound like you were influenced by Walt Disney. Oh, we are in Central Florida. Yeah, that is very <laughs> true. Well, and you said visionary. So dreamer and visionary. So dreamer and visionary go together very well for me. I think that it's significant that you paired them. Well, and again, so you, you have to big dream, but you also have to have the vision to kind of have that roadmap, right? Like, how are you going to, you know, bring that idea or that dream to a tangible thing, right? Mm -hmm. So having that vision of that clear path moving forward uh, so that you can identify that roadmap. Um, so, yes, they both go hand in hand is to dream big and then have the vision to execute. Yeah, or go home. Mm. <laughs> and we're not going home. So persistent and obviously being able to be very in sh you know, on point, making sure that persistence is what's driving you forward is important. But what else would you add to that? Well, um, I'm fifth generation military. Uh, I'm wow. the only Navy. Uh, so I'm the only squid in my family. So uh, Army Navy game is always interesting. Um, but... Uh, Watching my parents being entrepreneurs, um, you know, and my dad was a prosthetist, orthotist for, for 30 years after he got out of the military, and he struggled to find his path a, a, in the civilian world, right? And it wasn't until that eventually he became his own boss, a prosthetist, orthotist, um, I watched him go highs and lows, both, and it was a very small operation. My dad was front of the house, my mom was back of the house. She was handling all the billing, she was doing all the collecting, she was doing the insurance while my dad saw uh, saw his patients. So both of them were this this team together moving forward. But the one thing, uh, you know, highs and lows, they were always persistent. Like they never gave up. Mm -hmm. And I think watching them do that over the years influenced me to be persistent for my, my dream and my vision. Mm. Uh, so by applying the persistence to it, it's where it's led us today, is being persistent. Because I can't tell you how many times I wanted to 
literally just throw my hands up and give up. And there's been many times that like I, I've just wanted to stop. But it's that persistence that has kept the company alive, the vision going, and the dream to continue. I would say that being an entrepreneur is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because we choose this. To your point, it's like you want to give up. And I go, man, I have felt those feelings too. Mm. So this is the hardest thing. And you've been in the military, so I'm sure there's things that were harder. <laughs> uh, to, to a certain extent. Uh, military, at least, uh, they told me what to do, yeah. right? Uh, as an entrepreneur, everything falls on my shoulders. Right. Right. Like, um, so it is, it is the, the direction, the life of your company is determined by you and how, mm -hmm. and how much effort and time you put into it. Right. Nobody's telling me what to do. I, I literally have to basically navigate these waters. Now I'm not navigating it by myself. Yeah. Like this is not a me thing. This is, this has been truly a, a team at what? effort to get where we're at today mm -hmm. and a lot of those team members I am so grateful for for them taking a chance on my dream and my vision to them to kind of see like this clear path forward with M3D moving into you know 2024 and beyond yeah it's it's drives you but it's also humbling <laughs> and you have to sit there and go no I'm I asked for this so now I've got people that are believing in me I have to it is no longer about me yeah which goes right into ambition. Ambition and, and you have ambition and risk taker. They kind of go hand in hand. So it, to the point of the previous one, it's just that you have to have that. You have to be willing to jump from the plane. I'm sure you have a different angle. Sure, but I mean, we, we've heard this saying before, fortune favors the bold. Yeah. If you're not willing to take risks, right? If you're not, if you're not willing to step outside your comfort zone, or your box, you will remain there. Mm -hmm. And then you really don't know what your really potential, what your, what your true potential is, right? Because once you've stepped into something that is completely new, foreign, like, I mean, it's not just building a company. I've been learning the entire mm -hmm. process, right? Like learning the, the mm -hmm. entire way, right? And how, how do I learn? I step outside my comfort zone. Um, and then once you've gotten on the other side of it, you're like, okay. Now what? Now what? Right, and it's like, okay, I actually did that. Now, what do I learn from that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what mistakes did I make? Or what would, what did work, and how do I improve upon that? So, being that risk taker, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone, um, you know, has allowed, you know, other opportunities to present itself, right? And these opportunities are now is actually what's gonna be the driving force of the company. But if I didn't take, or if we collectively as a group didn't take those risks, I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation no. this afternoon. We sure wouldn't. So how did you move into launching where we are now? This is a really cool space. Um, and people, I don't know, maybe we can do a tour and kind of work sure. that into the show love a little bit. But how did you get started to where you are now? What's that look like? Ooh, um, well, M3D Technologies is not my first company. Um, so this has actually been a 20-year journey to get to this point ever since I got out of the Navy in 2005. 19. Wow. 19-year journey. Um, but there was other companies before this. Um, uh, one of the first major companies that I started was a, um, a recording studio in 2008. Probably the worst time to start a recording studio in, in Orlando because huh. of the housing market and everything that took place during that time period. 
but I, I knew I wanted to be in production, right? Like, so uh, audio production was one of my very first loves. I was actually, even when I was in the Navy, uh, when we had our off time, my fellow shipmates and I, we had our laptop and we just had some basic programs of recording and we would record our own little tracks and albums. And, you know, we just had a, like, there was just this, you, you kind of call it the magic in the air, right? Mm-hmm. And there was that, that, that was the exciting aspect of it. It was like kind of creating, right? So I, I wanted to do something similar to that, and then that's when I decided to get into building a recording studio. I've never built one before, but embarked on it, and I was like, all right, let's go ahead and give it a shot. Uh, so production has always been a part of what I've done, and that's kind of where it's led me today with M3D technology. So it was recording studio. Then it was an additive manufacturing company, 3D printing, which mm-hmm. encompassed a lot of my past uh, education for 3D modeling and texturing. Uh, so we, we got into um, limited production runs for manufacturing. But then that led into us uh, doing early uh, discovery of VR when the Oculus Rift came out, right? We, we were one of the very first ones to purchase that and understand because of our VFX and gaming background, we were like, let's go ahead and kind of take a look at this fourth industrial revolutionary technology that's getting ready to take place. So it's been this evolution, but it's been production the entire way, right? We've gone from recording studio, we've gone from 3D, 3D printing and out of manufacturing, and now we're into uh, everything that Web 3.0 has to offer from VR, AR, mixed reality, uh, Unreal development, Unity development. So that's been kind of the evolution to where we're at today. Mm. So how did you decide on your company name? Huh. Well, because we... It's mainly of what we have in our backyard, right? Uh, you know, Orlando for the longest time still is is known as the tourist capital of the world, and you know, people outside of this area identify Orlando as Disney, right? But in our own backyard, we have so much more than just theme parks. We have a huge military presence, right? And then, of course, you know, we have the Space Coast, and we have the Space Force base out there, which you know, years ago was the Air Force base. So we have the Space Force base, and then Tampa. You know, we have the military Air Force base out there. We have the largest VA hospital out there. So you have your military and now your medical, right? So a huge medical presence, Advent Health, Orlando Health, largest VA hospital here. And then we were doing a lot of media, right? So, you know, the M kind of represents the various types of industries that we can apply our our, uh, IP and our services to. So military, medical, and also entertainment. But the M is just, you know... Uh, making 3D, mm-hmm. but it's more along the lines, the, you know, uh, it's M3D. So where'd you go to school? Because we kind of skipped that spe- <laughs> step. I know I mentioned it at the beginning, but mm-hmm. it looks like you've been a Florida person for a while. Uh, so like I said, um, you know, I, I'm fifth generation military, but my dad was fourth generation uh, military. Uh, but he was a, a student out here at UCF back in the late 70s, early 80s. As a matter of fact, when he graduated, there was only like 16,000 students. Uh, but Central Florida uh, is where my folks met. My dad was also in the EMT service, and my mom was a radiology tech. So my dad would bring them in and put them up on the table, and my mom would take pictures of them. And finally, one day, he just asked her out on a date. Mm-hmm. Uh, so after he graduated from, from UCF, the Army got a hold of him. He had prior military uh, as a Coast Guard vet. Uh, goes into the Army as a uh, Huey helicopter pilot officer. And uh, we get stationed in Anchorage, Alaska. 
Uh, so I spent the first five years of my life in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, and then after a while, when my dad was no longer getting the flight time and he was flying more of a desk than, than the actual uh, plane or uh, helo itself, and that's because he wasn't a West Pointer or a warrant officer. He was just a UCF graduate. Uh, he was like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. And my mom's like, well, great. Get me the heck out of Alaska. I'm tired of 50, month, uh, uh, 50 below zero, uh, you know, uh, six months of light, six months of dark. So we left Anchorage, Alaska and came back to uh, Orlando, Florida, where, where my mom is from. So, yes, that's a long way of saying, uh, you know, we, we've been here in Central Florida for, for a while now. Um, but... Uh, being uh, having roots in here, so I'm technically a, a Floridian. I've mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, been here for a long time. Um, so after I got out of the Navy, this is yeah, this is where I went to school. Uh, I started out at Full Sail University, uh, which that kind of influenced the uh, recording studio aspect of things that I did in my uh, uh, professional career. And then after I got tired of herding cats, as I call musicians, I went back to get. Uh, another another degree and uh, went to the Dave School where I learned uh, VFX effects, game development, 3D modeling, and animation. Uh, and from that school is what led me into the additive manufacturing, 3D printing, uh, and then of course uh, I had the best opportunity that ever presented itself. Uh, one of my mentors, uh, who was actually my instructor at the Dave School, uh, came on board as my creative director. So Mike Young uh, is now, you know, the person who taught me 3D modeling and animation and visual effects is now also a part of this this vision that we're on together. This <laughs> That's journey. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So Mike Mike has been, uh, you know, just one of the uh, amazing partners and team members of this company that's been created. Does he work in this building? He does. Does he have a beard? He does. He's the one that brought me brought me back to your office. Oh, name. oh well, and so I thought his name was Mike. <laughs> that is a running joke. Uh, the the studio here is collecting mics. So oh. Mike Young is my creative director, but my father is Michael Hogan, who is our advisor for the uh, therapy side of things that we do. Uh, Mike, who brought you by, is the assistant director of View Stu- uh, Studios. Mike Kessler, and then there's Mike, uh, who is the maintenance guy here. So we are wow. co- we are collecting mics as a- as we say. Yeah. Okay. Well. So you got to this place where that's the name of the company, that's how you got here, really interesting story. I enjoyed that very much. I did not know the thing about the Healy um, being only, uh, Huey's, right? Wait, what was the Hilo. helicopter? Uh, Huey helicopter. Yeah. Huey, yeah. My brother is a heli- uh, helicopter pilot also, warrant officer, but he used to be stationed in Alaska. Okay. And then he came Pro- down here. Probably Fort Richardson. Yes. Like yep. Yeah. Yep. So funny. And now I have even more in common with you. Small world. Yes. All right. So we talked about your educational background and how you got started in here and the name of this business and all of that. But we're going to do something that's a little bit fun. So I found this article. I actually saw this on Grey's Anatomy. And there was okay. a character in Grey's Anatomy that she had said that there's research that shows that it, when you assume a superhero pose with your fists on your uh, hips and your legs are slightly spread apart and you're looking off, it actually instills tremendous amounts of confidence mm. in your own ability. So are you down? Because this is going to be so we can see how much confidence do we feel when we do that? Sure, I could use a little ego boost. This okay, morning. let's do it. Right. So we're going to stand up. Sure, sure. Fists are on our hips, All right. legs a little bit spread apart, and look thoughtfully off into the future. 
Hmm. I feel powerful. How about you? I feel like I should be on a poster. Yeah, posters would be good. <laughs> really good. So thanks for going along with that. No worries, I appreciate thank you. it. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your thoughts about that? You know, I know you're into body language and body imaging. Well, uh, so uh, again, uh, the, there's, uh, you know, uh, psychological studies that have been done on, you know, body language. I mean, body, we, we actually speak more with our body than our actual own words. I think 80% of communication is through, uh, it might even be higher, it might be closer to 85, is just through our body language, our facial expressions. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they've done research on cats that have like over a thousand facial expressions. So body language is much more... Uh, powerful than just what I what I'm saying right I can right. I, I can get a, a feel for for you just based upon your body language right and you know they've even seen this kind of in business where you can utilize body language to see how engaged the other party is with the information that you're presenting so I've, I've used that before just to kind of test to see like it and what I'm conveying verbally is that resonating with the person that's sitting across from me. So by even just kind of mirroring and, you know, positioning yeah. my arms, you know, over time as I'm talking to you, then you can see like, all right, well, maybe if I just kind of shift into a position, if they shift into that same position, then you can tell that they're mm -hmm. actually engaged with what you're saying and they're starting to mirror you. So what you're also talking about is how that heightens empathy. Mm. Because we're really dialing in more to, well, gee, this isn't, you know, resonating with this person. Maybe I should do something a little different. You know, we either change our topic, we do, we, we take a moment to acknowledge there is another person here, and I do want to make sure that they're right. engaged. So I think it helps to heighten empathy also. I, I agree. Yeah, totally. Okay, so what would you like to be remembered for in life? You know, we, we all have our, our worlds, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not looking to be remembered globally. Like, that's, I, I just, I want to be remembered by the, the lives that I've been able to help, right? Like, I think that's kind of been the, the driving factor for me is that, like, it being an only child, right? Mm -hmm. But yet, I'm the oldest of 12 cousins, right? And, like, you know, but being, being the only child, being the oldest grandchild, you know, it... I've always put myself out there more, right? Like I've always been more giving, right? Because it's also being wanting to be accepted, right? But I don't do what I do to be accepted. It's just, um, I've had my mom even say this to me numerous times. One of my biggest downfalls is just having a big heart, right? Because I have a tendency to put other people before me, before my own needs. Mm -hmm. But what I want to be remembered for with the with the lives that I've engaged with is, you know, have I have I improved your life? Did my relationship, did our interaction improve or, you know, mm -hmm. you know, not so much, right? Did it like but I want to be remembered for improving people's lives, making making that difference in their life, not on a global scale, but just the the lives that are around me. Like, have I improved your life? And this company that we've started together, like not just me, like we've we've started this together. Your people. This this journey that we find ourselves on, like Knowing that this is going to change not only my life, but all of their lives for the better, that's what I want to be remembered for, was making a difference in their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know the feeling. Well, we're going to take a moment to acknowledge Cat5 Studios, and we will be right back. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. 
Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. So we're back to the second half of our show, but I do want to make sure I, I tap back into something that you had mentioned at the beginning as to what kind of businesses that you do business with. You know, is it just military? I know you mentioned marketing and media and things of that nature, but do you have any projects that you'd like to talk about related to your business? Um, so one that we can talk about. Um, Are they always top secret? Not always. And okay. The, <laughs> um, so the one that we recently just did for the Air Force, uh, we were approached a few years ago uh, by the 189th Air Wing Command uh, by, at the time, Major Fitzpatrick, who is now Lieutenant Colonel Fitzpatrick. And he was uh, designing a uh, training program uh, specifically uh, to, to um, help it, the improvement of retention of when it comes to various types of weapon systems. Um, so they were exploring various types of XR hardware, whether it be haptic gloves, and you know, of course, they were utilizing off-the-shelf controllers from the HTC uh, Vive product line, um, but they weren't meeting his needs. Uh, you know, HTC or uh, haptic uh, gloves, as cool as they are, they're still not there yet, right? Like they can do a lot of things, but they can't do everything. So let's take a moment and tell our listeners what haptic gloves are. I know what they are, but sure. go ahead, take a moment and tell them. Uh, haptic gloves essentially view it as a, a different type of uh, controller interface, right? Instead of just holding a standard game controller where you have buttons that you mash or an HTZ Vibe controller where you have a D-pad and you have a trigger on there. Uh, haptics themselves allow you to feel the virtual world, right? Uh, there's a, uh, a tactile sensation that comes with uh, haptics, whether it's a full haptic body suit, mm -hmm. like the Tesla suit, or haptic gloves that have been developed by companies like um, Haptex or um, Sense Glove or VR Glove. Um, so haptic gloves themselves are just another controller interface, right? So instead of holding a controller in my hands, my hands become the controller. Mm. Now, they are also uh, relying upon being able to be tracked, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to track these things properly to make sure that they interact in the virtual environment correctly. Well, haptic gloves, are they're, they're around, they do certain things, but they can't pinch, right? Like I can't pinch a virtual pen because it's not tracking properly. So when it comes to smaller objects, haptic gloves aren't there yet. So um, LTC uh, was looking at haptic gloves, didn't meet the mark. He was looking at the off-the-shelf controllers. He goes, there's a, uh, a level of disconnect that's happening. What I'm seeing in virtual reality is not what I'm holding in my hand. Mm -hmm. Case in point, um, we, uh, we designed maintenance tools for them. That was the very first uh, controller that we did for them was creating these maintenance tools. So we were able to basically take off-the-shelf componentry like the, uh, the HTC Vive product line and create various types of housing units for their product line like the trackers. So now when a uh, trainee is in virtual reality and they're uh, donning on a headset, and they look in their hand and it's a screwdriver, they're feeling a screwdriver in their hand. Isn't so that amazing? We bridged that connection, right? So what I'm seeing is now what I'm feeling, right? And is it being able to be tracked well? well. But no other major uh, DOD uh, vendor wanted to take that on. It was too low hanging fruit. It was like, oh, it's not worth our time. And for us, it was like, we will take this on. Because of our past experience in additive manufacturing and 3D printing, we were able to come up with a custom controller design that not only meet but exceeded expectations. So based upon those first controllers, we were able to continue with Lieutenant Colonel Fitzpatrick with his fighter program. 
and, des uh, and designing weapon controllers. So we designed a rocket launcher uh, that basically is a generic, when you look at the actual physical controller, it's just very generic. But in virtual reality, we can reskin it to look like whatever rocket, whether it's a Stinger, whether it's a Chinese military rocket launcher, if they want to have their trainee train on that specific type of weapon system. Uh, and then we also did a uh, USB uh, controller called, uh, it's nicknamed a pickle grip, but it deploys chaff off of the back of a C-130 for their anti-defense missile systems. So if there was a missile inbound, you actually press this controller and this trigger to deploy the chaff. So both, uh, all three of these controllers were the first intellectual property that M3D designed. Whereas wow. previously, we were just um, working in the realm of, we were the software solutions for XR hardware providers like your Infinidec, your Tesla suit, your haptic gloves. Uh, they were the manufacturers, but we built the environments that showcase how their hardware would work in the virtual environments. So software solutions for XR hardware providers, but the controllers that we developed for the uh, Air Force was our first tangible uh, IP. So the military is one of your clients. Do you see these products going mainstream? Uh, we do. We've actually identified several commercializations, uh, even with the rocket launcher. Uh, again, being here in Central Florida, um, you know, uh, a lot of what we do here is entertainment experiences, right? So outside of the theme parks, we also have Andretti Speedway, right? Where you can go in and do in indoor go-karting, but they have a huge arcade area. So our rocket launchers can now be turned into for commercialization as an arcade system, right? Wow. Because, you know, it doesn't want to blow things up. No, we all do. Yeah. Especially on days when we need to let some uh, energy go. It's a good stress go. relief. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, energy for sure. All right. So positive impacts. What do you, well, let me take a question back. What do you think 2030 is going to look like? That's, okay, we don't count this year. We don't count 2030. So it's basically five years. And we always know that stuff happens. So COVID was one of those things. Gen I came out of the box. Um, and that changes things. And Many times, people, whatever is going on historically, uh, health and technology-wise, that's what shapes how people think. Mm -hmm. So babies being born now will have a very different idea. They don't have the historical right. uh, reference that right. you and I have, but what do you think it's going to look like? To your point, nobody, nobody was expecting... 2020 to take yeah. place and uh, honestly I I consider 2020 a, uh, a decade's worth of things that have yeah. happened in one year um, but five years from now um, when you're talking about technology that's almost impossible to say what what the landscape is going to look like now especially when you start implementing AI um, AI is going to have again the technology itself is not good or bad it's the human factor once you right. put that into there. But the advancements of that, I think in our healthcare, we're going to see huge advancements in our healthcare. I think people are going to be living longer because of these advancements and how AI is going to be able to crack the genome and like, you know, identify cancerous cells long before early detection for, for things. I think AI is going to lend itself to some advancements mm. in, uh, on the, on the medical side. Um, you know, but currently with our global climate, you know, we have two major wars that are going on. You know, like we're, we're starting to see a lot of turmoil that, you know, has just been kind of there for a very right. long time, but it's, it's now coming to the surface. And, you know, what is that gonna look like? Mm -hmm. You know, what is that, like, is this gonna be another 
Afghanistan, right? Like, are we going to be in a conflict for, for 20 years? Yeah. You know, or is this going to be, you know, getting to a point where somebody's like, well, I'm just done messing around and pushes a button, right? And, and look, I mean, not to get on the scarier side of things, but, you know, our doomsday clock is the closest it's ever been. You know, we're 90 seconds away. Like, mm. people really don't talk about that. And I'm not trying to get conspiracy or whatnot. It's just this is an actual factual thing that's going on, right? So as excited yeah. as I am about what's happening in our industry with the advancements of technology and whatnot, I'm also trying to be mindful of what's going on in our, our global climate, right? Not yeah, just on weather, that... but just are out of our control. Yeah. So, you know, when you ask me what, the, what, what does 2030 look like, um, again... Uh, the the dreamer in me wants to be hopeful, mm -hmm. uh, but the uh, uh, the pessimist in me goes, well, look, if there isn't a major change soon, yeah. uh, we're just kind of on this clear path forward of you know a zero sum, right? I I choose I I, I believe like I see humanity, right? Like I've seen good, right? Yeah. I've seen good in this world, so that's why I'm hopeful, but. For 2030 to predict on, you know, what what the jobs are going to look like, I think AI is just going to change so much of that. And I don't, and I think it's at a point that if you don't embrace it, you're going to be left behind. And oh, I, absolutely. And I've always said that even before AI came out, even with the fourth industrial revolution, right? Like, it's happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's taking place right now. And my question to you is: Do you want to be a part of it, or do you want to just to watch you pass? Or do you just want to watch, or do you just want to watch it pass you by? Right. right. I would much rather be a part of it. I would much rather be involved in it because it's happening. Right. Yes. And it's it's same thing with AI. Right. Like yes, there's this scary aspect to it, and yes, because I think the scary aspect to it is because we know how human beings are. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not the technology; it's the human being. Right. So. Um, yeah, 20, 2030, I think it, it's it's if you don't take hold and see what's happening and basically put yourself in a position to understand these new technologies that are coming out, it's going to leave you behind. Mm. It really will. I agree with you very, very much. And I feel that people um, are not staying abreast of whatever is out in the news. They don't listen to it. They're, you know, as Americans, I just feel like we're more consumed with things that are social and temporary mm -hmm. than things that are, well, what's really going on and what's behind the scenes? Mm -hmm. I wish there was more awareness. Yes. Or and desire for awareness. I, I think that's also the other thing that, again, advancements on technology, we have information at our fingertips like no other. So you don't have to be reliant upon what's being presented to you. You have the ability to go out and understand it and mm -hmm. discover it and learn about it yourself. You don't have to rely on just one piece of information anymore. We have all of this information. So to your point, you know, uh, it's having the awareness, but as a culture, what's more important? Like, I, you know, being internet famous is more important to the generations behind me. You know, TikTok, social media, like that was one of the things that even after 2020, like, you know, I scaled back on, on social media because there's just so much screen time, right? Mm -hmm. And like, it was like, you know, it is a very addictive thing and we're seeing that as well, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, being mindful of those, those, those things, right? But to your point, like, I mean, we're, we're distracted by so many other things in our lives that we really don't see what's happening. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Not even just around us. 
Have you, I, I think I asked you this when I saw you at ITSEC, um, have you watched Black Mirror? I, I've, I watched the first, uh, I haven't seen the latest season, but yes, I've watched uh, quite a bit. They're a cautionary tale, in my opinion. <sighs> oh my God. Like, this is what can go wrong. Right. You know, and for our listeners, that's on Netflix, you can find it there. Uh, very, very dark. But then there's this other thing that's on Netflix, and it's called uh, The Future Of. Mm, yes. And it's it's a little brighter, you, yes. know, you know. Have you seen that one? I have. So they always talk a lot about things that are VR and, and related to how we can. And to me, it kind of crosses over a bit more into um, the blue people. Avalon? No. Is that it? No. Avatar. Thank you. Yeah. The I could Navi. Tell. Yeah. 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 Because I sat there and I went, really? I think that there's so much that I've seen in science fiction movies. I think it does... There's, there's too much crossover. I go, this has got to be the way that it's going to be. So it, it's funny. You know, science fiction is now becoming science fact. And, like, has science fiction influenced what our technology is today? Of course it has. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the gentleman who created the flip phone, if you haven't heard this story, the reason why he created the flip phone is because he watched Captain Kirk growing up on Star Trek and he wanted the tricorder. Right, like that's so that's funny. why that's why he created the flip phone because he w he was watching Star Trek. So, science fiction has had a huge adverse effect on our technology as it as it's come up, right? But it is like the Terminator, a cautionary tale of AI, you know? Like, um, yeah, it can be scary. Um, actually, probably one of the scariest things that I've seen. Now, it hasn't been confirmed, but it came out just recently, and you can find it on YouTube. Uh, Chinese uh, video of a flying drone over top of a, uh, a couple of rooftops. Drones flying over top, deploys this box underneath. Uh, cable goes all the way down, box lands on top of the ceiling, cable detaches, drone flies away. Box opens up and it's a robotic dog. It's just like one of the Boston Dynamic dogs, but this dog has a 50 cal, a 50 cal gun turret on the back of it and it's walking across the rooftops. That's the scary thing about AI, right? Mm -hmm. Like now this thing is completely autonomous, but now it's weaponized, right? Yeah. So again, it's the human factor, right? And I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we learn a lesson uh, from you know, having social media unregulated as long as it, it was that we take that as a cautionary tale mm -hmm. for what we need to do with the regulations of AI. Because we saw what happened with the writer strike, right? Like, I mean, yeah, absolutely. When, when I started discovering prompt engineering and large language models, I was just like, this is going to change everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, even just utilizing LLMs to do brainstorming, like, I mean, to help kind of uh, keep creative ideas going. They're even saying now that um, probably within the next two to three years, we will f see the first billion dollar company of a group of three because they're leveraging AI. Oh, yeah. You can, I know what I'm going to talk about with uh, Justin on his episode is the idea of chatbots. Mm -hmm. And we would all have a, that eliminates a lot of people. Mm -hmm. You don't need chat, you know, you don't need people. You can use chatbots. That's right. Wally. Yep. The movie. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, <coughs> I, I like to make another suggestion outside of uh, the, um, the future of, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's another one on YouTube. Uh, the host is Robert Downey Jr. It's called The Dawn of AI. And its first mm -hmm. episode came out in December uh, uh, 23rd of 2019. Mm. So just before the pandemic. 
Um, it's a six-parter episode, um, but it was even talking about what AI looked like uh, like then four years ago. And if you watch that and where we're at today, just in that four years, the advancements of, because even during that series, you're like, wow, that's, that's amazing what they're doing with AI. Just within the last four years, that's already ancient. Hmm. So I'm going to go look it up. I made a note. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great series. Um, you know, digestible episodes, thirty minutes. Um, but it's talking about you know the medical advancements. It's talking about the military advancements of AI. It's talking about the production, how we do uh, video and audio production, uh, how we do entertainment. So it was a really good series. But uh, yes, uh, uh, Black Mirror, <laughs> the future of, and I, I would suggest the dawn of AI. Okay, I'm gonna go and watch that one for sure. So what ethical dilemmas do you foresee with all of this? I mean, you're, you're going to have, you know, they're already talking about, like, with uh, the ability to uh, utilize, uh, you know, deep fakes and how we can now mimic people's uh, voices. We're hearing the scams of, you know, elderly people are getting phone calls and it sounds like they're a grandchild and they're saying, you know, grandma, grandpa, you know, uh, I need, uh, I'm, you know, kidnapped right now and they're not going to release me unless you give them $20,000 and it sounds like their grandchild, right? So there's going to be the scamming aspect, right? I mean, yeah. people are going to leverage this technology to take advantage of other people, right? You saw that Knopf, I don't know, maybe you didn't. He put something out for New Year's and it said, hey, this is Knopf, blah, blah, blah. It was all a fake. Mm -hmm. It sounded like him. It looked like him. Mm -hmm. It was not him. And he said that at the end. So one of the most impressive things that I saw recently uh, when it came to um, uh, entertainment production, right? They were able to take Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland and recreate the Back to the Future scene from 1986 where Doc Brown is talking to Marty McFly at the high school. Mm -hmm. But it was a deep fake. And what they did was they would just replace Michael J.'s Fox face with Tom Harlan and then same thing with Robert Downey Jr. with Christopher Lloyd. But it was them, and it was it, it matched up. All of the audio, the lips, the facial expressions. So now we're talking about deep fakes, right? Like, can I trust what I'm seeing? Is yeah. that real? So that's, that's another problematic thing, because they're even saying with video conferences now, right? You might think you're talking to Elon Musk, but that's not Elon Musk, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, so those are some of the things that I see that's going to, you know, People are going to get taken advantage of, right? Mm -hmm. But it's being again aware of that technology. Are you going to, you know, are you going to be a part of it, or are you going to let it, yep. you know, pass you by? And if you're not informed, if you're not prepared for this digital world, um, and it's it's constantly, as you know, it's constantly expanding, and it's constantly growing. Like we can't even stay up with all of the new hardware and software that's coming up. I mean, just in the last two years, the explosion of just tech has been never seen before, and it's only gonna continue. Oh, I agree, I totally agree. I know you're big into the industrial ages, and I had mentioned that at the beginning, when on your website it talks about the fourth industrial age. What do you think that the fifth industrial age, as it continues to evolve, will be? Because in the, in the notes that I had, the research had said that it's gonna make the connection closer and seamless, it will feel unmediated, and the smart device, when we tap into it, it's going to be something that, you know, we speak, it's going to disappear. Brain-computer interfaces will replace them. 
like how much of that can actually happen? We're already starting to see it. Um, they, they've done early uh, research before uh, even Elon Musk got into this. Uh, there was a program called BrainGate that they were utilizing for uh, paraplegics and quadriplegics, mm -hmm. that they were able to actually hook up the human brain to a computer and just by thought, they were able to turn on a TV or turn on a coffee pot. And that was just by thinking of it. I've seen it. I've seen it on shows and other you know things that are out there on the web. And it's very big. It's mm -hmm. like a whole giant thing that's sitting on inside of the person's brain, but on their head. Sure. So it's going to have to become less, you know, obvious. Well, I, I fully agree. But we're also outside of just being able to have the ability to think and turn things on, right? You'll be able to think and do research and have the information not in a screen in front of you, but like mm -hmm. downloaded to your brain. Um, but I mean, again, they're already, we're already starting to see this. So outside of BrainGate, you know, we're now starting to see exoskeleton suits being utilized for paraplegics and AI with that. Mm -hmm. These people now have, even though they're clunky, they now have the ability to be mobile again, not just in a wheelchair, not just right. by a motorized scooter, but like they can now get up and be at eye level with you and have that, there, there's, there's a feeling that they're a person. Right. And it's the same thing that I saw with my dad with even prosthetics and orthotics, right? The, a, a person who, they, they say it's the equivalent of uh, losing a limb is like losing a loved one. Like mm -hmm. that's the emotional equivalency to that, right? And for my dad, when he would go see patients and see, he wasn't traditional, he would actually go out to their homes. He was a mobile practitioner and actually was made fun of, uh, his industry made fun of him for doing that, right? He was a visionary yeah. to actually go out and say, <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna do home health care. And everybody else laughed at him. Like, oh, you'll never make any money at, th at that. Well, what my dad did was is he was servicing the rural areas that didn't have the ability to go to a major clinic or have the resources to travel. He would go to them. And actually, he did so well that now every major prosthetic orthotics company has a mobile extension to it. Mm. Again, made fun of in the beginning, had this vision, and now it's, mm -hmm. now it's the standard. But what he would do with his patients, right, after like they've been in a wheelchair for two years and just you know not having their mobility again right and came out there and fitted them with a new device and said now stand up so you know it's the first time that they've actually stood up in two years right and you see that like that that light bulb that goes off in their head like oh my god like i'm whole again yeah. Even though it's not their leg, they have the ability to now get up and they're mobile again. Mm -hmm. That in itself, the psychological aspect behind that is huge, right? Mm -hmm. So again, having patients that are quadriplegics in exoskeleton suits and giving the ability to stand up and look somebody in the eye and not be down in a chair, the psychological impact behind that, even where it's still this bulky equipment, is huge. It's mm -hmm. huge for the human psyche. So I think over time, of course, you know, as the technology is growing faster, these things are gonna become more common, mm -hmm. right? Like this is gonna become more common than just, oh, that's sci-fi, that's future. Like mm -hmm. it, it's, it's happening now. Yeah, I can't wait for it. I've seen those also, uh, those, I guess they're on YouTube really, that's really where I am. I'm not as much on Facebook. But the child that has never been able to hear mm. can hear their mom or their mm. dad's voice. And the the expression on that child's face, but everybody in the room is, you can't even put a price on that. Right. It's just truly priceless. It, right? it, it, it is. And, you know, you you, 
I, I think that's the other thing that I'm hopeful about technology is because it does have the ability to improve life mm-hmm. and, and just quality of life. Yeah. You might not ever be 100% again. But man, if you can get me like 80% back there or just improve it to where it's better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the technology is also gonna lend itself that it's gonna even the, uh, the playing field if people have the ability to have access to it, mm-hmm. right? Like it will change, like the, this technology will change, you know, how you go through life, right? Like even as a company, having access to this technology has been able to grow the company, mm-hmm. right? Because we've had access to it. so. I think that that's another barrier right now, but if we could bridge that barrier where people have more access to this technology, it will improve not only their personal lives, but they might have the ability to prove, improve other people's lives. They might come up with that idea of like, oh my God, you know, aha, light bulb, and utilizing this technology, they've now just changed the landscape. But if they don't have access to that, we'll never know. Mm. So what is the best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners? You were going to focus on entrepreneurship. I, I was, but honestly, I think this, this is probably something that I would, I would suggest, and it's, it's hold true. Um, surround yourself by people who are more successful than you. Hmm. Surround yourself by people who are smarter than you because all they will do is bring you up and not pull you down. Mm-hmm. Like, don't be intimidated that you're not the smartest person in the room yeah. because that's, it'll prevent you from learning. Mm-hmm. Know, and if you know that you're not the smartest person in the room, be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, if you're in a room full of a lot of smart people, you're gonna probably be presented to things that you've never thought of before mm-hmm. and give you ideas that you've never thought of before. So the best advice that I could say um, for for any type of mentorship or um, mentor is find somebody who's smarter than you, who's mm-hmm. doing more than you, and that it's of interest to you mm-hmm. because they will show you. Given the opportunity, people love to talk about what they do and mm-hmm. how they do it, and they love to teach. And that's that's probably the best advice that I can give is just surround yourself by people who are a lot smarter than you. I love that. That's really good stuff there. So how can our listeners find you? What's your website? Any social channels? We usually give your personal LinkedIn. Sure. So uh, personal LinkedIn, uh, company LinkedIn is M3D Technologies. Uh, our website is, uh, you know, of course, the www.m as in Mary, the number three, the letter D as in David, the letter V as in Victor, the letter R as in Rocco. So m3dvr.com. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. Um, and those are our social engagement platforms. Well, those sound like the the best ones to have, honestly, I would think. Well, I want to tell you, thank you so much for being a guest. This has been uh, eye-opening for sure because you've talked about some things that my other guests have not. So this is really good. Well, thank you so much. And I I really appreciate you guys coming out today. Oh, we love it. We're going to do a little tour. By all means. You know, put that into the show too. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you to our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our video editing team, Max Stein, Luke Bellagia, and Chris Rodriguez. Music is by Sophie Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can recruit, assess, and improve employee learning and company culture through DEI skills hiring and learning. 
Mention you listen to the show when you join and become a member and you may win a chance to be a guest on the Intern Whisper podcast. Subscribe today to our podcast and support the Intern Whisper by sharing, leaving us comments and reviews. You can find the Intern Whisper podcast on Employers for Change YouTube channel or streaming from your favorite podcast channel.